Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? November 7th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Give me a follow online at Showdown Joe. Follow my co-host, the infamous, the incomparable, the legend with the hair continuing to grow, Sean Rossap. Give him a follow at Sean Rossap. Give us a follow for the site at Fightful Online, at Fightful MMA. We're always talking mixed martial arts, wrestling, boxing, you name it. We're talking about it. Uh, on this show here, Sean, as you know, we will discuss the fallout from UFC 217, a fantastic pay-per-view. Uh, I've done a few interviews uh, after the event, believe it or not. Did more after than I did before. Uh, but they're calling it the best pay-per-view of the year and one the best in a very long time. We'll discuss that for sure. We'll be joined by Frankie Edgar, who fights for the featherweight title uh, what, next month uh, mm-hmm. in Detroit. Should be a fun uh, bout with champion Max Holloway. Of course, Tyron Woodley in the news again, saying Conor McGregor. How many free passes does Conor McGregor get? And when I first saw that headline, I'm like, what's he talking about? Then I read more at Fightful uh, MMA, FightfulMMA.com, and realized exactly what Tyron was talking about. We'll get to that momentarily. Uh, Greg Hardy, former NFL player, he made his mixed martial arts debut uh, amateur-wise, but uh, he emerged victorious. We'll talk about that. Should Demetrius Johnson get that $2 million that he is asking for? Oh, we're going to discuss that at length here. Uh, what about Johanna Jacek? And Cody Garbrandt, they lost their titles on Saturday. Do they deserve rematches? We'll discuss that as well. A preview of UFC Norfolk going down this Saturday uh, with someone that you saw on the show earlier. uh, Was it last week? I believe it was last week. Yes, Uh, Anthony Pettis taking on the gentleman who joined us, Dustin Poirier. Uh, We'll break down that card, which is fantastic, by the way. And, of course, the UFC announces their first quarter 2018 events. We'll we'll take a look at some of those venues or those cities, uh, and we'll discuss further. Sean, what's going on? I am relieved that this insane weekend, I told you off the air, WrestleMania level work for me uh, last week. And not, not only that, my, my team, everybody else, like it was 
a psychotic week. We've been doing these news updates on Fightful's YouTube. Uh, I'll do some of some on the MMA spectrum as well. Uh, I broke down an NFL fight, so uh, and that did great <laughs> numbers. Did you see it? No, I haven't had a chance. I know about it though. Oh, you should you should go watch it because my Cincinnati Bengals gave uh, a fella an ass whooping that he will never forget. Unfortunately, they did not win the game. But we got UFC Norfolk. Like I haven't. I haven't paid that much attention to this show because of that big UFC 217 show that just happened. And then I looked up and down this card, and I was like, oh, damn. This is a really good card. It's got some guys that I really like, too. Uh, some OGs on there. It's just a really good day. And, of course, we got Frankie Edgar. And we're going to have articles coming out of that as well. Yes, Frankie Edgar was kind enough uh, to have the conversation with me. Uh, love Frankie. Uh, too bad some of the stuff that we talked about. Off camera or off air could be discussed because uh, absolutely hilarious. They all have to do with Henzo Gracie, who's an absolute living legend. Anyone that's ever met Henzo Gracie, uh, is, a, is the, the guy is something else. I mean, it's, it's hard to explain unless you've actually spent more than five or ten minutes with Henzo. The guy is unbelievable. And Frankie and I have our fair share of stories of, of Henzo Gracie, but Frankie far more than me because he's been training with him for over ten years. Um, UFC 217, Sean, what I noticed leading up to the event in Canada was, you know, I wrote the article, there was a almost like a lack of buzz in comparison to when George St. Pierre used to fight. Now I noticed afterwards, as you and I discussed, that there was a lot of people that actually tuned in. Uh, Dana White said it's going to break the the pay-per-view record for Canada. Not sure I believe that. I don't think it was that big. Um, Obviously, we're not going to know those numbers other than what we can find online. Uh, I reached out to some of my sources. Uh, They haven't gotten back to me. Uh, my old employer, who have access to some of the pay-per-view numbers, and I could potentially track what they did versus the Floyd Mayweather, uh, Conor McGregor fight, and stuff like that. Just waiting to hear on that. But by all accounts, I don't think it's going to break the record. I think it did very well. Um, it's amazing some of the news stations that did cover it and some that didn't. Weird, but George St. Pierre, Captain Canada. He's the middleweight champion in the world. I mean, I saw some stuff on Instagram, Sean, that people are like, well, forget about Conor McGregor. George St. Pierre is back. He's the biggest star. And I'm like, well, hold on. Is that is that what you guys are thinking? I saw Trudeau shout him out. Yep. So here, here's a funny one. Uh, you know how I mentioned American Top Team and Colby Covington have been a part of this Impact Wrestling thing. Mm-hmm. Colby Covington has, I, I would say over the past month outside of this UFC 217 card, probably had the most articles written about him than, than anybody else. And that's saying something because Darren Teal made quite an impression. Colby Covington was on that show. It's funny that Impact Wrestling recognized how good of a heel he was before UFC because Impact is usually way late on that. When Colby Covington was out there healing the Ottawa crowd, they chanted GSP at him. Oh. So and this is the night after UFC 217. So he was over there, and that was five 500 fans or so. So, yeah, I mean, he's the... Canada, I think maybe it maybe reignited a flame. I hope so because that that's good. They got to get some uh, more Canadian talent though because it's it's not as uh, plentiful as it once was in the UFC. Well, no. The other thing is, I mean, I, I can't speak on behalf of of anyone south of the border, um, but the importance of promoting your own is extreme. Now, obviously, in the states, Sean, there's so many American fighters, right? So it's hard to promote every single one of them, but in their regions they can get fairly popular. In Canada, we're not as we're diversified as a population, but we're not as big as the states. So when it's a Canadian 
it's different than being an American where you're from, you know, I'm, I'm a proud Louisiana native. I'm a proud New Yorker. I'm, you know, Tom Rivers, New Jersey for, for Frankie Edgar. Everyone's proud in their area. Whereas in Canada, first things first, you're proud to be a Canadian. doesn't matter if you're from BC, Toronto, Montreal, or from the East Coast. When it's a Canadian fighter, we want to promote Canadian fighters. We don't get yeah. that anymore here. It's, they're not promoted per se unless someone decides to go deep the way we used to back in the day and say, okay, you know what? We have another Canadian fighter signed to the UFC. Let's get out there with the cameras. Let's go to their gym. Let's get them when they're just chilling away from, uh, from training. Let's do a feature on them. Let's do multiple features on them for the show. Let's build a, a, and build their brand for them on on mainstream television to get them to say hey you know what check out this guy Elias Theodoro check out this person here check out that person there we don't have that anymore here no one is profiling them on mainstream television uh the way it used to be done so when you when guys like yourself and other people tell me yeah but there aren't that many Canadian fighters there's a few signed to the Canadian roster they're just not getting any love yeah but i mean it's not there there aren't nearly as many as there once were there there are some sure but when's the last time the UFC Signed a guy out of Canada. I can't even remember. Like, I mean, it's. I've seen them signed out of virtually everywhere else. And as I, I, I'm looking at um, some of the rankings and stuff, and I'm trying to to think, like, okay, what Canadians do they have? They have Sirkinov. You can throw him on the show. Uh, Boss. If Bossy fights, you could put him on there. GSP, obviously. Elias, obviously. Um, I think they have Ryan Janes, but. You know, it's not not a big name or anything for them. He's thirty six years old. They they it's just not uh, Chad Laprise. You have him, but it seemed like back in the day you had just name 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 name, and that's just unfortunately not the case anymore. Like I said, they're not getting the profile that they actually deserve. Well, they got to uh, win the fights too. Yeah, oh, of course, no, absolutely. Uh, the, the the only thing that I mean. I'm trying to think of the, the was it the bantamweight or the featherweight kid? Um, oh, what's his name? Not Mitch Gagnon, who you know should be getting love. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of the kid's name. Recently signed. Um, oh my goodness, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, came in with a bang, started making all kinds of noise, and then basically Gavin Tucker. Tucker, Gavin Tucker, that kid should have a camera in his face profiling him non-stop and getting all kinds of love because he came into the UFC with a bang despite his next loss but it is what it is but it's just the way it is I mean like I said I tried telling people before Rory McDonald is not as big in Canada as people think he is he's big in the MMA bubble he's just not big in Canada on a mainstream perspective right and and, and that's not his fault technically speaking uh, it's just the way things are nowadays right like yeah. I see I, I saw people just ripping apart various news outlets leading up to the GSP fight uh, in Canada. I'm not saying uh, anywhere outside of, uh, of the Great White North, but it just, it's just the way it is right now. So uh, unless things change, these poor Canadian fighters that are currently competing under the UFC banner just aren't going to get the mainstream love that they actually deserve. Yeah, but like, like I said, you gotta you got to make noise and you got to win fights, and that's, that's an issue because the UFC doesn't have as many to pick from. Well, they, they have plenty to pick from, but not within their own roster, but if what Dana White said ends up being true, that's that's a good good sign, a very good sign for Canada. And if they do it, do you think they would do it in Toronto or Montreal? Uh, I, I'm going to bet Toronto 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, originally they had three tentpole events. Uh, they had Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, with a fourth that was circulating between Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan, uh, Halifax, and Ottawa. That changed. It's there, there's no longer three tentpole uh, events a year, and now it's just a matter of okay, you know, when when the the whole Q1 2018 events were announced uh, by the UFC, I quickly scrolled down to see if anything was there for Canada. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so. I, I saw how huge Toronto is. I saw how huge the, the the GTA, the Greater Toronto area was, and and it's only grown since the last time they've been there. Yeah, but it's, but again, it's a, matter, fans it's a matter of their popularity, though. Yeah, Toronto Toronto MMA fans in general are fickle. I mean, they were like John Jones headlining against Alexander Gustafson. What a bold main event! Yeah. That absolutely sucks. And I was like, uh, no. It's going to be fantastic, guys. You may want to come. The event, that event didn't even sell out. And it, it went down as one of the greatest light heavyweight fights in UFC history. And I was like, yeah, y'all could have been here. But then again, I think that was also the card, Sean, where uh, Frank Mir annihilated the left arm or right arm of Antonio Roger, or Rodrigo Nogueira. Just like, it was just disgusting. So, yeah, it was a great event. We got plenty of news to talk about today. Let's get into this uh, Woodley-McGregor situation. Mm-hmm. Run us through that, Joe. Well, Tyron Woodley basically is saying, how many free passes does Conor McGregor get? He was insulted at the fact that um, in the lead-up to the Floyd Mayweather fight, he was using terms like monkey, uh, dance for me, and stuff like that. And, and it's like, come on, man. You can't be doing that kind of stuff. You've got to be smarter about that. And then recently he used a, uh, a homophobic slur right after the fight, right after his, um, his training partner ends up losing – uh, and Conor McGregor was saying what he had to say. Then Tyron was basically saying, look, man, this guy needs a PR person around him. As someone in the public eye, he needs to watch the words that he uses. So I kind of agree with Tyron Woodley, although Tyron has had a history of, of you know, I guess pulling up the race card a few times and saying some stuff that he shouldn't be saying. But I, I understand where Tyron's coming from. What do you think? I do. I think that UFC should probably give him a crash, crash course in shit he shouldn't say. Like, just... Everybody, when you have them at this fighter summit, tell them, stay away from this. Otherwise, you're, you're risking a fine. You all represent us at, at all times. Like, that's just, that's what you got to do. I mean, you, you, especially in today's political and social climate, you have to do that to avoid this. And UFC's had a real problem with that happening. Like, it keeps, it keeps happening. Did, did these people not learn anything from the Mayweather-McGregor press tour? Yeah, it is it is strange. Now, at the time when – so when Conor made that homophobic slur was when there was cameras backstage and he was just kind of consoling um, – you know, it, it, it was just weird. Conor should never say that. He needs to understand. Like you said, there's always cameras on. In this day and age, everybody's got one of these. Okay, and they could be hit record at any one point in time. When you're in public, you can't be saying that stuff. You shouldn't even be saying it in private. Okay, but at the very least, in public, you need to control what you say. So I do kind of understand what Tyron was saying, and Connor has to be smart about it. And his, and his camp, uh, I know in the live chat right now, Lecumite said, "Look, man, Connor can say whatever he wants. He agrees with the opinion that we have right now, but Connor's at the point now where he can say and do whatever he wants." Kind of makes sense because the guy's going to sell fights no matter what. But at the same time, not a great look in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a bad look. It's a really bad look after McGregor has had problem after problem after problem. 
How many free passes is he going to get? Probably a lot because of how much money he makes, not only the company, but everybody else. But at some point, McGregor has to understand, you just don't say things like that because there's always a mic on you. There is always a camera on you. Somebody is always there. To Connor's point, he did apologize. He did yeah, offer I know, an apology, but uh, you, you right? just don't say it. Yeah, you just don't 100%. say it. It was very smart of him to apologize. You know, he's he's championed equal rights and things like that for for a very long time. But I think that when you do that type of thing, it kind of hurts that plight a little bit. I mean, did I? I, I used to say stuff that I look back on and I think that it didn't age well and it was stupid then, all the time. As I've said on this show. My Facebook on this day will pop up, and I'll be like, I said that publicly, like, like I was, I acted like that, and I was twenty one years old, twenty years old. I was a kid, but I look now, and I think, man, I was really dumb. And I'm sure that he'll look. I'm sure he looked back and he thought, man, that was a dumb thing to say. But uh, it, it's happened so often in recent months that maybe somebody should just. Give him a crash course. There were some things that I, I excused. Like, I'm sure he doesn't know the history of, like, like in depth of what is offensive as it pertains to African Americans in America. Like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't understand all of that. I'm, I agree 1,000%, and I'll give you my own personal example. Go ahead. Because I sure as hell don't know anything about Irish history. I don't know a damn thing. I don't know a damn thing. Go ahead. I'm just thinking. So, um, when was Columbus Day in the states? October, right? Yes. Yes. Last so, I, I sent off a tweet, uh, yeah. an Instagram post, a uh, Facebook post, wishing all my fellow Canadians a happy Thanksgiving. And south of the border, I know you, you're not celebrating Thanksgiving this time around or at, at this time of the year, but I know it's Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I got a couple people saying, uh, no, Joe, uh, you don't say that to Americans. I was like, well, okay, what, what did I miss? And I got educated. And I'm like, well, hopefully I never say happy Columbus Day to Americans again because it wasn't my intention to be insultful or insulting. But yeah. apparently you don't say that to Americans. Well, I mean it's – you know, there are a lot of really divisive political situations as it pertains to – race and things like that but that's one i'm not going to say unanimous but a whole lot of people are just like yeah we could we could go without that one i mean i see people on liberal conservative independent sides i don't want to i don't want to blanket statement anybody but the the type of reactions i've got as it pertains to that is just like yeah but i mean i don't expect canadians to know i don't before i worked with a bunch of people from toronto I didn't know when Canadian Thanksgiving was. Yeah. I didn't know when Canada Day was. I'm sitting there firing off messages to Melissa and Lindsay and Jimmy and Nigel in the <laughs> chats, and they're not getting back at me. I'm like, where are these people at? And then I'll message Jimmy on WhatsApp. Oh, we're out of the office today. Oh, okay. Well, hell, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, Just American Thanksgiving. Monopoly to- money. Have yeah, fun. yeah. American Thanksgiving to us is football, NFL football, and yeah. some sort of shopping. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. You better believe I'm cracking some skulls on Black Friday. I'm getting some Fightful.com content. That's going to be a uh, feature on Fightful. Me breaking Terrible. down some of the best Black Friday fights. I got such a great reaction to the AJ Green fight that 
I got to do it. I got to step up and do it. There was that Yankees-Tigers fight earlier this year that got great re- reaction on the site. So I am going to break down the uh, break down uh, some of the best Black Friday brawls. It's funny because uh, there was one time there was a year-end show that Sportsnet put together, and they brought me in to break down the fights that occurred in other sports. But I was asked to play the serious role, the serious analyst role. Mm-hmm. There were fights at, at a horse like, at, between two jockeys. All four foot eleven, four foot ten. That were just hilarious. Hockey fights, obviously. Fights in soccer, stuff like that. That were just like for guys like you and I and everyone on the live chat or tuning in right now. You'd be like, "What is this?" But I had to be serious about it. I had to break it down and literally say they, he had an underhook opportunity there. Could have thrown a left kick there, when in reality, like these guys are just throwing bombs with no technique. It was hilarious. I actually saw one on Instagram last night. Uh, a bar fight, which I, I should probably send to you because you'd love to break this down. Three guys on one. Probably thirty punches thrown, three landed. It was just terrible. Just drunken behemoths just going at each other. But uh, it is what it is. I mean, it, let's close off the Tyron Woodley, Conor McGregor conversation. I mean, bottom line at, at these summits, uh, I, I don't know if Conor McGregor would even go to these summits anymore or these these fighter and athlete summits because he's bigger. Than, than what that is right now. But he does have to have someone say either to him and his management, sit him down and say, dude. Don't kill your brand. Yeah. Got to watch what you say, man. I just want to, before we get into Frankie Edgar, want to talk about our sh- uh, ex- uh, Yeah, just talk about some of the exclusives that we've had on Fightful.com. And your your thoughts on some of these. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, who fights at UFC 218. Uh, getting kind of bold, of course. This guy's uh, over on the Fightful MMA exclusive section saying nobody will ever take me down again. Now, he has a very good judo background. He wanted to compete in the Olympics uh, for Ghana. But that's that's pretty bold. Am I right? Extremely bold. Come on, man. <laughs> who's going who's gonna to ever say in professional mixed martial arts, I'm never going to be taken down again? Because the next time he fights, what, what do you think you and I and every other fan are going to be staring at? Yeah, I mean, that's that's... That's that's putting a pretty big target on you too. For I mean now, maybe maybe it's it's escaping me, but you know you got some decent wrestlers at middleweight. It's not known as like the wrestlers division in the the lower the, the lower ranks, but still that's that's putting a pretty big uh, target on your back. Ryan Bader predicted a title fight finish. He got that title fight finish. Uh, also. Uh, Bisping's coach, uh, when you talked to him last week, Jason Perillo said that they couldn't take GSP lightly. He is a bad mother effer, but we have an article coming this week on him talking about when BJ Penn and Chris Cyborg could fight again. James Lynch has MMA pros picks on this weekend's uh, Pettis versus Poirier. Also, Andre Feely talked about Artem Lobov and like the, the, the struggle that he had to go through to get to Poland for that show. He said, the way the UFC booked my flight, they gave me a five-hour layover for a 45-minute flight. Instead of my 15 hours of travel time, it was 20. If you went there for tourism, it's fine, but I had to diet, I had to cut weight. To do that off of 20 hours traveling and nine hours of time difference, I didn't sleep for shit. Does that surprise you that the UFC, like, I mean, I'm sure that, that options getting from America to Poland aren't that that extensive? But man, that's got to be tough. Uh, I, I used to, you know, th- there's an organization that I worked for that would, you know, a three-hour flight direct from Toronto um, would be nine hours. Oh, 
they would I, I'd have to leave at 6 a.m. Fly somewhere to the to, to Dallas as an example for two and a half hours, layover for four, and then an hour flight from there or, I'll, or two I'll hour the flight extra, from I'll there. I'll pay the extra hundred to get direct. I don't care. That's what man. I yeah, that's what it got to, Sean. I, I would I I had to stop it. I was like, I know you're saving two hundred or three hundred dollars on this flight. At this point, I want to pay for it or yeah. take it off my pay because if you think I want to sit there and leave my house at three a.m. or four a.m. Uh, to get onto a flight just to stay and, and stay over in, in some airport, big airport, Dallas, whatever. But I don't want to do that. You know, I would rather pay the extra and leave my house at a decent time and then just fly direct. So um, at that point there, I was booking my own flights and having them just cover the expense because it was easier for me. So, but yeah, no, I, I could understand uh, where Artem Lobov was saying that. And was it, Artem no, that? it was no. Andre Feely. Feely, yeah. So I can understand if Feely's saying that. And not cool, in my opinion. And I get sometimes that the people that book these flights, uh, I don't know if the UFC is trying to save money. I know they've got to be money conscious. It is a business. But sometimes they don't think. They don't realize. They're, they're just, they click a few buttons. They see the price. Perfect. Boom. Go. It's already going to be a layover. Just do it. And it's like, well, no. If that was you, would you enjoy that flight? Would it make sense to you? No. Rebook that flight. Look for something else. Another exclusive on Fightful.com, which I encourage you all to go check out, of course, as well as our forums. I want to talk to you all over in those forums. I want to talk about everything MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. I have a ladybug on my mic, Joe. Oh, hello. That's nice. They're going crazy here in Kentucky these days. Uh, Justin Buckholes out as Team Alpha Male coach. It just flew away, the ladybug, rather. And James Lynch asked him if he thought the media blew up talk of that situation. And Feely says, they always blow it up. I wouldn't call it a restructuring. That's a bit of a stretch. We have the same guys that are there helping us that always have been. Everyone stepped up to fill a position in the last couple of years. You have Danny Castillo, Uriah Faber, Justin Buckholz as well. Chris Holdsworth, uh, they stepped up as coaches. Uh, he talked about some of the, the, the long-time guys there. Do you think this is just... Them being like, no, everything is fine, everything is fine, because they have had a major turnover. It seems like every year, year and a half, there's somebody else new in in the fold. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is though, it's a it's a team alpha male is so public that the smallest thing is going to make news, right? It's not one of those things where it's your local gym down the street where they have turnover with instructors and uh, volunteers moving and this guy moving up and this guy moving uh, – a, a, a big fighter leaving the gym, blah, blah, blah. This is a gym that's in the public news. So no matter what happens there, generally speaking, it's going to make headlines in the MMA bubble. Uh, do I think it was overblown? Probably. you know, But people, they want to know. Fans want to know anything and everything that has to do with Uriah Faber, Justin Buckholz, um, Cody Garbrandt, even TJ Dillashaw, that's that, that's a story that's not going to go away anytime soon. So people do want to know. And unfortunately, being in the public eye, it's going to be discussed. Whether they, whether they think the media blows it up or not, it's a story. And then when one outlet gets it, the other outlet's going to talk about it. The other one's going to further the story. The other one's going to call you to get a co uh, comment. You're going to do an interview. And the cycle of news continues to, to perpetuate. So if it's the media, it's the media. But if, the, if it's a newsworthy thing or something that's going to be discussed, that's what we're here for because people, unfortunately, want to know stupid things or they don't want to know stupid things. To me, I could care less what happens at Team Alpha Male. There's been so many changes there. It is what it is. As long as they're producing fighters, getting them to the UFC, they're winning, they're doing great stuff, no problem with me. I don't know. Justin's a great guy and Uriah's a great guy. And But okay, so he's no longer the head coach, or apparently, whatever. 
And finally, one story that releases today, uh, Bellator 187 main eventer, AJ McKee talked to James Lynch. This will pop out, I think, at 5.30 Eastern. He told James that he would like to break John Jones's record for youngest world champion. Now, there's a few things I want to approach here. AJ McKee, 9-0 in about two and a half years, all of his fights in Bellator. You can say what you want about the competition, but he's finishing a lot of these guys, all but three. He's got a main event fight. He says he wants a top five opponent next, then wants to try to fight for a title if he were to win. Okay, let's see. John Jones won in March 2011. So he was about to turn 24. So AJ has a little bit. He's definitely got time to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the time he's about to turn 24, we're talking like the end of next year, maybe early 2019. So he does have time to do it. But we're talking Bellator too. For many people, they'll look at this and they'll say, but it's Bellator. And when I look at it, I, I do initially think that, but then I think of all these UFC guys that have come over and they've either gotten beaten or they've hung in there with all these people. Then I think of a lot of the Bellator guys that have went over to UFC and we've seen Eddie Alvarez become a champion. But then again, we've seen Will Brooks. It's it's always a missed bag, like Will Brooks and all that. You can never guess. I just I think there is world level talent on both ends. As it pertains to Bellator UFC and weighing the the prestige of championships, how do we weigh that? It's 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 tough to say because unfortunately, I think we're in a stage right now where the Bellator isn't getting the respect it deserves from anyone, not everyone, but from a lot of people within the MMA bubble, especially outside of the, to the mainstream. They don't look at it as real top-notch championships when in reality they are. They're great fighters. They're fantastic fighters. It's the other option uh, for those that are not in the UFC. Uh, you can make the same discussion for if people uh, want to compete in Japan at Ryzen uh, or for 1FC or over in Poland do, do with you KSW. Mean, do you mean Risen? <laughs> Risen. I saw that. I saw the gentleman that did the play-by-play calling it Risen, Risen. numerous times. <laughs> it's it's you know it's not that difficult to pronounce. It's it's Ryzen, it's like Japan, Japan, the rising sun. Do you think Ryzen. AJ McKee will do this? He's got his work cut out for him. Can he do it? Yeah. It's a 145 pound division. Uh, I know that Bellator likes him a lot. They like him a whole lot, and he's at the point now, 10 fights in, to where he might get some other offers, like he might get a UFC offer. This ain't like his dad. <laughs> they, didn't, they really didn't want to hire his dad. They just were left without a choice at some point, because how many fights in a row did Antonio win? Like, like 6,000, like, and they were all, they all went to the decision. Or they they were all decision, yeah. terrible fights. Let's yeah. see, it was... 15 straight fights that he went unbeaten and he beat like Akbar Ariola and Carlo Prater, some, some okay fighters. And like he went on that run in MFC and then he showed up in UFC. He lost via split decision to Volkman and they cut him. You never saw that. Yeah. But at that point they were just giving so few shits about, I mean, they were, <laughs> they were cutting like, John Madsen and Gerald Harris and people who had like been winning fights there. So they really didn't care. And uh, now Antonio's hung it up. And the year after, his, his son started to run things. So good for them. And he's 
man, he his sons went from prodigy to prospect to contender in that division. So good for him. That that interview is coming today. But you had an interview that happened. What was it yesterday? Late last night, post uh, training for Frankie, post soccer for yours truly. Frankie Edgar, former UFC lightweight champion, future UFC Hall of Famer, and uh, future UFC featherweight title contender, as as he is a past one as well. Here is Showdown Joe speaking with Franklin Edgar. An absolute pleasure to be joined right now by Frankie Edgar. Frankie, what's going on, my man? Joe, what's going on, brother? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I want, I want to catch up with you about a bunch of things, man. First things first, that last fight um, with Yair Rodriguez. Did you hear the chatter that people were like, man, Frankie's in trouble. Yair Rodriguez is the new lion. Frankie's the old lion. Did you hear all that chatter? You know, I've been hearing hearing people talk and, you know, doubt me kind of since the beginning of my career. So I don't really pay attention to it, but it's hard not to hear it, you know. Absolutely. And, and that performance, though, I mean, that was just lights out performance by yourself. Um, Did you realize it was going to go down like that? Obviously, you put the training in for it to happen that way. But, I mean, the, the, the poor kid hasn't come back yet. You know, you really never know what to anticipate when you go into a fight. But I knew if uh, I was able to kind of, you know, impose my will a little bit, you know, get him on the ground, uh, I kind of expected, expected it to go that way. And, of course, you did impose your will, and, and it was enough to get the finish. And when you thought about afterwards you're like that's it man this is a title shot i deserve another title shot is that what went through your mind it is you know i really thought uh the way the things were going you know i, I put two good fights behind me right after the, the lost aldo and and really you know there's really no other option i felt uh i deserved that shot and you know here we are about to get it in a couple of weeks yeah ufc 218 taking on max holloway the current champion um you went 10 rounds with Aldo, and it was a puzzle that was a challenge to figure out. But then Max Holloway was able to sort of figure it out on his own way. And I know, I know styles make fights. It doesn't mean one guy is going to beat another guy and all that jazz. But what were your thoughts on Max Holloway's performance against Jose Aldo? I thought he looked good. Um, you know, if you go back and look at the fight, I mean, Aldo probably did win those first two rounds. But, you know, in the second round, you did see Holloway kind of start picking up team in the third round it looked like Aldo uh, kind of was a little gassed and, and I think Holloway noticed that and some good shots and finished him with that ground and pound um, you know he looked really well absolutely and then of course him emerging victorious you must have thought come on man Dana let's do this come on what else do we need here yeah you know it really could have went a better way for me um, Holloway winning definitely set me up for, for that fight uh, you know, me and Max never fought, and, you know, what better time than now? He's got the belt. I want the belt. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. Um, your assessment of Max Holloway, I know you're not going to give away your game plan. I mean, anybody would ask you that would be silly, but your assessment now that you're training for Max Holloway as opposed to just knowing that one day you may have to fight him as opposed to now training him or training uh, to compete against him, what's your thought process right now when you look at the champ? I mean, Max is, he's a stud. Uh, he gets better every time out. He's still very young, which is kind of crazy. Uh, super strong guy, cuts a lot of weight. So, uh, you know, he's going to have that advantage on his side. But, uh, and I like how I match up with him. Uh, I mix things up. I'm not a, a one trick pony. I don't really go out and do just one thing. You know, I, I feel like I got great footwork and, you know, my, my movement and, you know, threat to take down the, you know, makes my match, that makes his match up very interesting. 
Oh, I can't wait for it to go down. And you talk about mixing it up and you talk about, you call him a stud. Dude, you've been fighting in the UFC for 10 years. February 3rd, 2007, you made your Octagon debut against Tyson Griffin, UFC 67. What do you remember of that time, that day? Maybe first or second, uh, going out there and fighting, uh, fighting the tough Tyson Griffin. I, I really think I'm on top when I'm not supposed to. So uh, that was a great opening opening weekend for me, I guess you could say, and uh, you know to kind of make myself known in the MMA world. Absolutely. Uh, do you have your own personal favorite fight in the UFC that you looked at yourself and you went, "Yeah, man, that that was awesome." I think the title fights are always great. Uh, you know, the first time I won a title against BJ Penn in Abu Dhabi, that, that will always stay with me forever. And, you know, finally reaching the pinnacle of the sport. But uh, probably my third, the third fight with Maynard, you know, finishing that fight with a knockout, having a trilogy fight with him. Uh, you know, that one's a special one also. Yeah, I was there for that one. That was absolutely insane. Covering that event in general was fantastic, but that capped it off. Fantastic. Hello. So. Outside of a Frankie Edgar fight, do you have another favorite fight that you look at over the careers? I mean, mine, uh, you know, Shogun versus Dan Henderson comes to mind for many people, but do you have a favorite fight in the UFC where you're like, damn, that was amazing? You know, there's just so many. Uh, you know, Shogun now, it's like you said, Shogun Henderson, uh, uh, John Jones, Augustuson. Um, you know, even this weekend, this past weekend, I mean, you could pull out some favorites, you know, seeing George come back and, you know, get his second title at 85. I mean, you know, there's. There's, there's a plenty to pick from, I'll tell you that. Hey, listen, it'd be nice if you were would emerge victorious against Max. You can join that, those guys like BJ Penn, George St. Pierre, Conor McGregor, uh, Randy Couture. How sweet would that be to add that to your legacy? Yeah, that that's definitely the plan. Uh, go out there and make some history and, and go down, as a, you know, along some of those guys. Uh, you know, those, those are the greats of our sport. And, you know, to be recognized with, with them would be uh, something very special. All right, before we let you go, one final question. Uh, you and I have spent, uh, yourself, your dad, uh, we've been around the world, we've touched base a lot of times, but I don't think there's anything crazier than our time in Bahrain with Henzo Gracie. Is there anyone crazier and more just of an awesome human being than Henzo Gracie? Henzo, there's no one like Henzo on this planet. You know, he's one of the most special people. He's one of the most magnetizing, uh, has the most magnetizing personalities. He, he steps in the room, he touches everybody, uh, influences everybody. Uh, you know, I'm definitely uh, fortunate to, to have him, uh, you know, cross paths him in my life, uh, like many people are. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. All right, before we say goodbye, um, what's your perfect fight against Max Holloway, UFC 218 in Motown? You know, perfect fight is me leaving with that belt. You know, any any which way I got to get it done. Uh, as long as I leave with that belt, it'll be perfect. And uh, it'll be a night to remember, not just for myself, but for uh, for UFC history. Boom. Frankie Edgar, thank you for the time, man. You got it, brother. Thank you. Frankie Edgar set for a UFC featherweight championship fight. UFC 218 in December. We will have full coverage of that show. But, Joe... We have full coverage of UFC Norfolk this Saturday. We have a post-show podcast. This show is stacked, man. Like, not necessarily what I would call like title contender fights or championship fights, but just good, fun fighters to watch. And 
There's some guys we might be seeing the last of. There is a fight in the famed uh, 145 to 170 pound, just throw them in their division between Guida and Lozon. Yeah. Uh, Diego Sanchez and Matt Brown are now in that territory as well. But a lot of good, a lot of good fights. Yeah, I'm sad. It's going to be the last time potentially we're going to see Matt Brown, right? He said it's his last fight. Yep. So Matt Brown will be gone and Diego Sanchez. And you know, there's the odds of that fight not being an absolute gong show are slim to none. I mean, those two guys are going to go, the referee's going to step out of the way and they are going to go absolutely ballistic on each oh, other. Matt, I think, Brown, Matt Brown's going for his show money, his win money, knockout of the night bonus, and performance of the night bonus. Yeah. He wants to walk out of there with a lot of money. Just retirement. It's, it's your go home, right? Go big or go home. So we can expect that one to be a, a candidate for fight of the night right now. I mean, let's, let's be honest for a second. So uh, it's going to be good. I mean, Dustin Poirier, who we spoke to last week, taking on Anthony Pettis. This is a division, as we know, like welterweight, uh, more so at lightweight, where one loss and you're in big trouble, man. It's going to take you a long time to get anywhere near uh, title contention. So the winner of this fight will move, I feel like, one inch closer to title contention, whereas the loser gets thrown off a cliff. Yeah, and uh, this is you're talking about Poirier Pettis, yeah. That is correct. Yeah, and with with Poirier, the guy at the top of the hill has already beat him. Yeah, Pettis has already been there, kind of had that downfall. Tried out 145, it didn't work out for him. Overall, I think this is a smart booking, though, because you know it's going to be a good fight. There are so virtually, <laughs> like most of this this show is just really good booking because you know that a lot of these guys are going to have exciting fights. As it pertains to Poirier versus Pettis, it's like what both guys. It's been the which one's going to show up type of thing, and. Pettis looked really good when he came back to well or lightweight. He fought Jim Miller. He's won two of his last three, and Max Holloway beat him. And he wasn't beating Max Holloway, <laughs> as we've as we've learned. Like Max Holloway can beat most people. Poirier, on the other hand, he's uh, been a little more inconsistent of late. And I kind of understand now why they didn't book the Eddie Alvarez fight immediately. You could you could say he's only won one of his last three fights, but you could say that he's only lost one of his last three fights too. The Eddie Alvarez fight, regardless of if Poirier wins this weekend or not, and if Alvarez wins next month or not, whenever the hell it is he fights, uh, the end uh, next month Jane, or December, you can go back to that fight in 2018 and it's still there. Like, so why not squeeze in a little bit? I, I was confused at the time, but I think it's okay now. Poirier's fights of late, uh, Eddie Alvarez, barn burner, barn burner, uh, Jim Miller, barn burner, great fight. He lost to Michael Johnson real quick. He beat Bobby Green real quick. So for better or for worse, we've had several really, really exciting fights. And going back to Yancey and going back to his fight against Ferrara and uh, like great fights, like traditionally just an excellent, fun fighter. When you look at him and his his recent career, Michael Johnson's that that funny wild guard that always throws himself back in there. It's so weird. Like if you looked at any other guy that was 17 and 12, you'd be like, "Get him out of here. Get him out of these rankings. He's lost four or five. Get him out of the UFC." But you can't do that with Michael Johnson because on any given night, he'll be to Dustin Poirier or an Edson Barboza or a Joe Lozon or a Tony Ferguson 
Like, you just don't know. And Poirier was one of those guys. But still, I think that... I I, I want to ask you this, Joe. How much weight does beating Anthony Pettis these days carry? I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm not saying he's washed up. But how much weight does it carry? No, no. I, you're, you're bang on. It's not a matter of him... You know, no, I don't think anyone considers him a bum, to be honest with you. But it doesn't have the cachet and the value that it once had is when he, when he was the champion, when he was coming up, when he, when he came out of the WEC and he was a really, really hot commodity winning fights, whether with Matrix... Commodity. Huh? He's a commodity. Is that how you guys say it down there? Commodity? I mean, you, you almost did. I like it. All right. Yeah. I like he, uh... the way you do. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Business. <laughs> He's not the same as he was before. The stock value has dropped a little bit. It's still there. Getting a win over Anthony Pettis isn't as big as it was once. It's He's still a name. It's just that name doesn't carry as much weight. But if you can defeat Anthony Pettis, you look damn good no matter what. Uh, Max Holloway, look what it did for him. Yeah, that's true. Right? At the same time, uh, you know, even Dustin told us last week that we knew some way, somehow, we were going to fight. And here it is. So better late than never. Uh, and no matter what, with a win uh, for, for Dustin Poirier, it says a lot. You know, he's, he's just defeated a former champ. Right? Looks good on him. Right? He almost defeated another former champ in Eddie Alvarez if that fight didn't get crazy the way it ended like that. So Dustin Poirier is looking pretty good, although he's had those hiccups along the way. Uh, but like you said earlier, you know, he's lost to Conor McGregor, which puts, puts a bigger hiccup. I mean, it's, for him to get into that Conor McGregor sweepstakes, it's going to take some time for him. Right, yeah. it's very unfortunate, but you know the game changes if Conor McGregor loses that title, right? So and there's I, other things coming. I just on think up. it's funny that at this point, like <laughs> Poirier is like fighting a bunch of people that McGregor has also fought to get back into that sweepstakes, like like Duffy and Alvarez and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of funny, but uh, that's that's far from the the only good fight on this show. Matt Brown, Diego Sanchez, now. When Matt Brown came in, I was like, this white trash dude, like, giving our area a bad name and all this stuff, and I just didn't like him, and I was like, why is this guy in the UFC, he's barely got a 500 record, and this is when I I was just a fan, I wasn't covering it for a living, I wasn't watching the fights and my job depending on it, and I grew to appreciate him to the point to where... I thought that that fight that he had in Cincinnati, that was a special moment. That was just, I've never been a part of anything like that in an MMA, at an MMA event. Like, Was I that the Eric Silva fight? Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. And I've told this story before. The next day, Aroldis Chapman came back, and I know the noise travels up, and there were thousands more at that show, but 
that got a great reaction to Roldis Chapman returning from the line drive to the face, but I don't know that I've ever heard anything in a contained environment quite like what I heard when Matt Brown entered and then won that fight. And then each subsequent knockdown and the guy is given his blood, he's given his sweat, his tears, and it looks like maybe part of his brain to the sport. And he's, he's said that before. He's, he said that he's a little concerned about that and he probably he wasn't sure if he would fight, but he did take this fight. And uh, Diego Sanchez, man, 170. That's... You know, that's puzzling, but, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's going to fight anywhere, and I think the UFC put this together saying, let's squeeze another classic out of out of Matt Brown. Yeah, and he's a heavy favorite in this fight. He's minus 360 over Diego Sanchez at plus 300. Um, do you think we may see a technical Matt Brown at all in this fight here, despite you know him knowing that this is his last fight, he wants to go out uh, with a bang, but he also doesn't want to lose. And Diego Sanchez has... Well, it's possible based on how he utilizes his reach on Diego, but you know how Diego fights. If Diego Diego doesn't want somebody to fight technically, they're probably not going to. Yeah. Like, that's just... He drags him in his kind of fight. Now, in recent years, like, there have been guys that have figured out how to stop that. We saw Ally Aquinta do it in April. We saw Joe Lozon do it last year, both in about, I think, 90, 100 seconds. But back before that, uh, Ellenberger couldn't, Campman couldn't, Paulo Tiago couldn't, Gilbert Melendez couldn't, uh, Gomi. Like we saw, we saw these guys that took BJ Penn like what four and a half rounds. Yeah. Back in the day, Gilbert Melendez made you fight his type of fight, whether he was going to win it or lose it. And uh, it's been four years since we've seen like a fight of the night out of Diego Sanchez. Though it's been. A long, long time, and still the guy wins a fight, loses a fight, wins a fight, loses a fight. He hangs around, and he's always there, so you can't really count him out, especially against a guy who knows it's his last fight. Yeah, I, I was joking with a friend of mine. I said, if you don't know how to cut off, like, cut off distance and cut your opponent off inside of a cage, put on a Diego Sanchez fight. It's not technical, but he knows how to cut people off. He just rushes them, yes. right? So, and, and that forces a phone booth fight. Uh, if, if you millennials know what phone booths are, hopefully you do. He um, just closes the distance, and they start banging away. So that's what Diego Sanchez does. It doesn't always work because a good counterfighter with good footwork is going to use their angles and hit him with a one-two uh, or an uppercut coming off the other side. It all depends. But at the same time, he brings the pain. He brings the action, and I absolutely love it. And, uh, and he had the power of Stevie at one point in his career, too. He loved and, it. And he Dan Quinn. That was the most unusual out of left field thing. Do you, I, which fight was it? Was it the Jake Ellenberger fight where he ran to the octagon with the cross, just like possessed? I was like, oh my. You know that Daniel Bryan, his the the wildly popular yes chance yes. in WWE yeah. came from that, and he credits Diego with that. And yeah, man, Which, Diego like hopefully he he made a little bit of money off of that himself. Yeah, well, that came from uh, Tony Robbins. So uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. Andre Arlovsky, Junior Albini. You know I love me some Junior Albini after that story he told. <laughs> It exposed a scummy promoter that didn't pay him for like what ten fights or something like that. The dude's fourteen and two and wasn't getting paid for pro fights. His daughter was playing with empty shampoo bottles as toys, 
And this guy came into the UFC, got a, a finish yeah. bonus, and then was able to buy his daughter toys. Like, toys. man, that's that's just a story. And I hate to see Andre Arlovsky get beat the way he's probably going to get beat. But sorry, bro, you got to go. The new blood's coming in. Yeah, you know what, Sean? It's... Someone might say some might say that's a mean way of looking at it, but it's kind of truthful, man. Like, I mean, Arlovsky's time is—he's already had that resurgence. We we do not expect him to have the, another resurgence, do we? I mean, I think this is it. You know, um, yeah. a loss to Albini should Andre hang up the gloves? No, because Bellator will give him a lot of money, or 1FC will give him a lot of money. Somebody's going to give him money to fight. They'll do it. They'll do it, Joe, and you know that he's not going to retire. You know he won't. You know he's going to go kick Tim Sylvia in the face again somewhere. Tim Sylvia's like, please lose this fight. I need some more money. Come on. Let's fight for the eighth time. The unfortunate part of this podcast is that we're on a bit of a delay, so the people in the live chat can't stop me from saying stupid things because when i say stupid things to sean ross sap like should andre arlovsky hang up the gloves somebody on the live chat should be like stop it right there because you know sean's gonna say bellator. he has bellator as an option he's got this as an option that would love to pfl would up. love to overpay that guy and lose some more money they would love to that's what they live for that's what they live okay. for can we have an agreement, you and I? Sure. Saturday night, we watch this fight. We'll discuss it in the post-fight podcast, guys. Make sure you guys all tune in after the event. I can't wait Sean and for I that will dis- Yeah, Sean and I will discuss this. We may go on at each other at WhatsApp, maybe not crazy messages, but <laughs> pending our laughs or our lasky. Our, wow, that's like from the South. Might be. Our la- <laughs> it might be Andre's our lasky <laughs> if he gets knocked out by Junior Albini. So we will take a look at the performance. After that, we will determine hang up the gloves or Bellator's coming to call you. Yeah. Or KSW. Or what's the other Russian that's one? True. ABC? That's, ACB? That's, that's true. ACB, by all indications, may be like the third biggest company in the world based on the numbers that I'm seeing and stuff like that. But for Arlovsky, like three is a stretch. Like three, keeping somebody in after three – you can see that's a favor. After four, they like the guy. After five straight losses, that's that's. we know you're just building names off of the guy. If they keep him around after six, it's a sham. Now, that that's what they've done the last three fights. They've had Francis Ngannou, Marcin Tybura. What are those two guys doing these days? Their yeah. headlining shows are getting prepared for UFC title fights. Junior Albini isn't at that level yet, but he is a 26-year-old 14-2 and heavyweight with a great story. Like, a story that made me take note. Andre Arlovsky is a 38, about to be 39-year-old heavyweight who is just cashing the checks at this point, man. Just cashing the checks. It's unfortunate that that's what it's come to, but it is a reality. Uh, mixed martial arts. So, uh, like I said, guys, we will determine uh, Sean Ross App and our opinion, and myself, our opinion uh, as to what's going to happen. We could probably say the same thing uh, for Nate Marquardt, who's taking on Cesar Fajera. Mm-hmm. Most people thought Nate Marquardt was technically going to be done in his last fight. He proved otherwise, and now he's fighting once again, uh, this time against Caesar. Um, 
Nate Marquardt, how much is how much left? How much does he have left in the tank? How many times have we asked that? Six thousand. I mean, this dude knocked out the current UFC welterweight champion. Now, right. when when you say this, here's here's what you have to. Okay, here's. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird to think. Okay, he knocked out the current UFC welterweight champion, and he has submitted Eve Edwards. In his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has beaten Shoney Carter. And he has beaten, like, he has fought, like, Sam Alvey. Like, he didn't beat him, but it's, I don't think, a lot of people don't realize how much of an OG he is because he didn't pop into the UFC until 2005. He was fighting in 1999. 1999. Dude, I got a magazine somewhere with Nate Marquardt as the king of pancreas in full color. I remember when, like, I remember, uh, he fought Genki Sudo. Yeah. Genki Sudo, who left the game way too early. That man was a treasure. A oh, yeah. treasure. And left before he was 30 at the, at, with a 16-4 and four record. His entrances were nothing short of fantastic, if you all haven't seen them. You see his Dwayne Ludwig fight? Genki Sudo? Yeah. I, In may, the UFC? Maybe. Maybe epic. Do. It's it's one of the most iconic pictures in mixed martial arts. Third round uh, gets dropped down there and and going back and forth. Dwayne pauses what he yeah. does and he does the crane stance. Oh god! It's the octagon. I was like, whoa! Like those two guys went at each other. It was a fantastic fight. And of course, you know, Gengi with the we are all one flag. I love it. One of my favorites of all time. Nate had that that small comeback for about a year, and now he's lost fights to Alvi and Vitor. If he loses this one. Let him go to Bellator too. Sure. <laughs> Let him go there. Let Bellator pretend that he's exciting. Sure. What does it say about Bellator that we constantly say if someone is going to lose in the UFC, they're going to go right to Bellator? It's almost like Bellator, you need to build your own stars a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I. I well, sometimes oh, they do. They sometimes they the... build them off of these guys. But Yes. I yes. don't expect this to be a fantastic fight or anything. I would not have put this on the main card. Not not that it matters. It's all the main card once the the prelim the fight pass prelims are over. But I, I wouldn't have put this one on the main card over even Sage Northcutt because Sage Northcutt's a very exciting fighter over Angela Hill over Tatiana Suarez versus Vivian Pereira. That's an awesome fight. That is that is a an underrated high level fight over. John Dodson and Marias. That's a sick fight. Okay, now here's the weird thing about the USC. Let's talk about this. And we'll <laughs> go ahead and talk about Dodson and Marias. They're putting it as the, the prelim main event. But the prelim main event is still on Fox Sports 1. So you don't have to do that. You're not like promoting, oh, you better tune into these this main card on Fox Sports 1. You're already there. Let this go third from the top or whatever. Nate Marquardt versus Cesar does not need to be on that main card. But I guess maybe I'm just grasping at straws here. Let's talk about Dodds and Marias. Because a lot of people thought that Marias beat Rafaela Sunsau. What did you think? Yeah, you could go either way. And Rafael's on this card as well, taking on Matthew Lopez. Oh, that's but... a good one. That's another good one. <sighs> Yeah, I think Austin Sal is going to sit there and be like, guys, I'm here. Hello, division. Mm-hmm. I'm here. 
right? I think he's just not getting appreciated, even though he did lose to to TJ Dillashaw, which there's nothing wrong with losing to TJ Dillashaw. He just so happens to be the bantamweight champion of the world. Um, Dotson. We'll, we'll talk about both of these bantamweight fights since they go together so much. We'll talk about both of them right now. Okay, well, obviously, um, you know, is a huge favorite at minus 335 against Lopez. That's actually big. Much closer with Dodson and, and Marias. Now, do you think the Dodson odds with Marias is strictly because Marias looked fantastic, not fantastic, but looked great against Asuncao, and John wasn't able, Dodson wasn't able to find an answer for John Lineker? I don't, th- those, those are kind of puzzling to me, those odds. This, if if you were to put as far as quality, I think Dodson and Marias is, man, that to me that's like a people's main event type of fight. Like that's a that's a big 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 fight. The the Dodson situation, we've not seen him like. We, we saw him knock out Manny Gamburian. We saw him beat Eddie Wineland. He went to a split with John Lineker, like. And John, it was a big John Lineker, a way bigger John Lineker. John Lineker that missed weight at, at Bantamweight. And then you got Marlon Marias who came in and he kind of got, I don't want to say robbed, but had it taken from him. But he's, other than that, he should have won that fight. He should have won that fight. And other than that, he hasn't lost a fight in six years. I think that's more of where it comes from is that we have seen John Dodson beaten, even though it's been in recent years really one guy because John Lineker didn't put him away and John Lineker came in overweight. I think that's maybe more of wherever the odds come from. As it pertains to a Sun Sal, he used to run through guys. I don't mean run through like finish guys, but he would beat them like pretty easily. And then he had to take off a year and a half because of that ankle injury. And what we said on it was one of the first podcasts we ever did. You and I broke down about how different his trek would be because he had an ankle injury. And an ankle injury at Bantamweight that keeps you out for a year and a half, that's bad news, son. That is like, that division is angles and footwork and all that. And he lost to Dillashaw. And he had to go to a split decision with Marias and should have lost. And went to a split decision with Sterling. Who, Sterling has shown that he's had trouble with the top top guys in that division. I you know I think Matt Lopez stands a much better chance. What's, what, what are the odds on him? Uh, plus two seventy five. I I would I would give that a go. <laughs> I would give, give that, that a go. go. I'm not gonna say he's gonna win, but I would certainly give that a go. There's because a new T shirt, guys. Yeah. Give it a go. That's two real good bantamweight fights. Two awesome bantamweight fights. I'm telling you, man, this Norfolk show is underappreciated. It's oh, yeah. sort of flying under the radar. We're doing what we can to get uh, some awareness built up around it, but I like it. It is absolutely fantastic. I mean, kicking off the main card or the extension of the Fox show would be Joe Lozon taking on Clay Guida. Uh, old guys, not old guys, but guys that have been around, guys that have been around the block. Uh, weird odds on this one. Tell me if someone is smoking something. Clay Guida is the favorite at minus 120 to Joe Lozon's plus 100. It's almost a pick em. I get it. Yeah. But shouldn't this at least be flipped around? Joe Lozon should be a bit of a slight favorite as opposed to Clay Guida? Or do you I like it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, but both guys are inconsistent. They're a part of the, the inconsistent division. If you want to break down this fight, go watch anything that I did previewing Lozon against Jim Miller or Lozon against Diego Sanchez or maybe Guida against uh, any of these guys. Like, 
because he he used to do it too. He's he's now fully entrenched in that. But Jim Miller, anybody that he's faced in recent years as well, they're they're just a part of that merry-go-round where you book them against each other. And I'm talking Sanchez, Miller, Guida, Lozon. I'm sure there are a few others. Uh, but you throw them in there, and you can put that on any show, and people will say, "Hey, that fight's happening. Cool." Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. I don't know. It's it's. I wouldn't. I would have these guys at like <laughs> minus one ten and minus one twenty. Honestly. Yeah, it's close. I get it. I get. It. I, I, I'm going to give the slight edge to Joe Lozon in this fight here. I just think he's going to be a bit of a smarter fighter, uh, whereas Guida is susceptible to being like he stops sometimes when he goes for those takedowns or gets frozen. I think Joe Lozon, if this thing hits the ground, I think Joe's better on the ground than Clay Guida is, especially if he's going to be competing off his back with his sweeps and his reversals. So I'm going to give the edge. Uh, maybe speed and explosiveness to Clay Guida, but Joe Lozon, technically speaking, I think is the better fighter in this matchup here. Uh, Tatiana Suarez taking on Vivian Perea. That's a hell of a fight. You likey likey? Nobody's talking division. about it. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is 4-0, and but she had three wins on the Ultimate Fighter as well that people just kind of forget about. So yeah. that that four fight number doesn't really tell the the story also she was a world champion bronze medalist in uh wrestling that's not a discipline you're going to see a lot of in women's MMA but then you got Vivian Pereira who is 13 and 0 including 2 and 0 in the UFC Whew. this is going to be this is a couple of girls that you're that will probably fight again down the line uh, like, because one's twenty six, one's twenty four. I like. I don't think it's going to be the last time. I think that eventually these two will probably have to fight each other again. They'll be forced into a situation years from now, where in like two thousand twenty two or two thousand twenty three, we're talking about Vivian Pereira fighting Tatiana Suarez in a rematch. So, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I could see it happening. I mean, Vivian was the reason, uh, was the final straw that broke the camel's back of Valerie Eternal. Beat her by split decision. Valerie ended up going to Bellator. So, uh, or Valerie says, hey, Bellator is going to be paying me a lot more than the UFC is. Uh, let's do this. But she hasn't competed yet, and it's been over a year. So I digress. No, yeah, she hasn't competed yet, right? No, she hasn't competed yet. Yeah, that's what I thought. And that, Sage that, Northcutt, is, that is a question. You know, we She has not fought since... The first week we ran this website, yeah, that's very, that's very. a little confusing. But and since then, Pereira's fought three times. She won a championship, debuted in the UFC, and had her follow-up fight in the UFC since Suarez last fought. So now the, the thing is, when it comes to wrestlers, I tend to favor them a little more as it pertains to ring rust because I don't know if that's as much of a as Gosh, who was it that said it in an interview with James Lynch? But he said that some people's ground games are perishable skills, especially off your back. I think that wrestling, it kind of sticks with you a little more. Yeah. Um, and taking a look at the next fight here, Sage Northcutt taking on El Capo, Miguel Quinones, who I called uh, his last fight over at uh, against Kyle Hocha in Titan FC 43. You know, Miguel ends up going to the UFC, takes on Jared Gordon, and was outmatched. Was almost outclassed. I would. I didn't see that coming at all, Sean. I thought for sure uh, Quinones was going to go in there and really show why this guy's absolutely fantastic. Because it was Kyle Hocha who was basically one win away from being called to the UFC, 
and then Quinones comes in there and just does what he has to do, uh, ends up emerging victorious by decision, but then gets to the UFC, and Jaron Gordon said, uh-uh, son, this is what it's all about. But now Miguel's getting Sage Northcutt. Interesting matchup by the UFC. Interesting to see what could happen because if Miguel wins, he's going to get a name off of somebody who the UFC sort of wants to become a star but isn't really resonating with the fan base. Sage is the favorite at minus 160. Uh, Miguel's plus 140. Sage is 21 years old. People often forget that. He has only lost at welterweight so far. That's also something people often forget. They're probably hoping that Keonis uh, stands up with Sage. But you never know because when people fight Sage, they don't want to stand up with him. That maximizes their chance of losing, and they want to maximize their chance at winning even more because, as you mentioned, they got they get somebody to make a name off of. But this is just you know this is the last fight that we're going to talk about on this card, and it's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> really great show. I always want to know if Angela Hill is going to make Nina Ansaroff's face. Angela Hill too. I'm, I'm excited to watch hers. Yeah, I'll be seeing Nina for sure at Titan uh, because um, Amanda Nunes is there religiously. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure I want to see if Nina's going to have a bunch of black eyes, busted up face, or she'll be clean cut. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I, I'm just glad to see Angela Hill back in the saddle. I hope she can get a win because I think she's good for the division. Absolutely. Well, what else do you want to talk about? Well, we got uh, Joanna and Cody both want rematches. Joanna, as I've mentioned, it's a tough situation because she is the the gangster of that division. She ran that division for so long, but she got beat real bad, and that's that's where you got to weigh it. Now with with her losing, there are a lot of options in that division. There are some more opportunities that wouldn't have happened. Like as soon as Mighty Mouse Johnson loses in that division, if he ever does, you got all kinds of fights you can make. But if you go right back to Joanna, one of two things is going to happen. Joanna loses, and she moves to 125, or Joanna wins, and you tie up the division even longer. Now, maybe that's the best thing for the division, because yet Rose versus anybody else isn't going to draw more than Rose versus Joanna. Again, it's not going to draw more than Rose versus Joanna for a sixth time, for the love of God. Like, Joanna is that division, because Paige is gone. Paige is long gone, uh, as far as marketing and ratings and stuff. What do you think? I don't. I definitely don't think no rematch for Cody Garbrandt. No rematch for him. You didn't defend your title successfully. I think that should be a mandatory. The only reason, uh, the only way you get a title sh- uh, title rematch is if you successfully defended your title at the very least, or if you got robbed. If we're talking like Machida versus Shogun and they run that one back, I'm fine with that. Yeah, so you made a, a, a tail. You made a really good, valid point, there, Sean. But the tail end, uh, you made something that was kind of uh, that we didn't discuss on the post show uh, on Saturday. Initially speaking, uh, I don't believe Joanna nor Cody deserve rematches because they got defeated handily. The difference between the two is Johanna defended her title on numerous occasions, whereas Cody did not. So I could I could understand if you want to make the case, uh, and everyone in the live chat, throw up your thoughts, uh, yay or nay, uh, for Joanna uh, and Cody. Do they deserve rematches, yay or nay? I'd like to read uh, what you guys are putting up there. But for Joanna, I can understand it if she does get the rematch because perhaps Rose caught lightning in a bottle and it will never happen again. They fight ten times, Joanna wins nine. Maybe and that's not the case. 
case. Maybe Rose has just got her number. No matter how many times they fight, you ain't getting a title shot, or you ain't you ain't gonna beat her. Um, for Cody, I think he's got to win one more fight, could be against anyone, and then get that title shot. Uh, for Yuana, I can make that that assessment as well. Look, man, you got rocked, you got hurt. I know you're saying you didn't tap. You tapped. Uh, we saw the tap. So go to Fightful MMA to see that story. But I'm telling you, I think she doesn't deserve the rematch. If she gets it, fine, cool, no matter what. But she's got tons of options. She's the divisional queen no matter what. She ran the division. I think to go off your point for a second, Sean, is Rose Namajunas, in my opinion, if she is not injured, needs to do whatever she can to get back in the octagon again as soon as possible defend her title against someone not named Ioana to continue what she's doing, to continue whatever love and momentum she has garnered oh, she, from she this got incredible big, victory. Man. I, I saw a lot of um, I saw a lot of non-MMA fans on Facebook that were uh, congratulating her, that were were championing her for her speech and her history with mental health and re- even what she went through with Pat Barry. Like she's a really good example. She is a very, Oh man, you want to talk about a good person to have as champion. Rose Nama Yunus is a very good person to have as champion. And I thought Joanna was a very good person to have as champion too. But the thing is, Joe, you can have both because Joanna's going to move up to 125, And, uh, yeah, where 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 are the sign-ups for Shevchenko versus Joanna? Because let me just put my name on that one. For I uh, Put me down for a pay-per-view buy on that. Uh, I, lo- <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the uh, at Rose's Instagram, um, and you know, as as a proud, I, my lineage uh, is is of Italian farmers. So I am the first generation. What, what did they ja- farm in Italy? What did they farm in Italy? My my whole family from my dad's side are they had acres and acres of land where they live. My dad to this day lives off the land. Really? How am I going to buy fruits for? That's badass. Look over there. He's got rows and rows of anything and everything you can possibly imagine. I would say ninety percent of their food is grown. Yeah. Picked or whatever. So when I see Rose with that little t- picture of the tomato that Pat Berry says she grew from a seed, you know, I, I clap my hands to her. What I think the UFC and Rose and Rose's people need to do right now, ASAP, is get her on every single late night talk show, every single daytime morning show, uh, and get her to A, talk about her story, her championship victory, and mental health. Because mm-hmm. that would just absolutely t- – in my opinion – take Rose to a whole new level. Uh, I don't know if you guys have it down in the States, but here they have an annual um, one of the cell phone providers, one of the wireless providers uh, basically has a day where they raise awareness for mental health and every text, every email, every whatever, every like, they donate five cents uh, to some of the Bell Let's Talk. Bell Bell Let's Talk. I see it because I've retweeted it a billion times. I I think I, I love you. Yeah. You're a good dude. The fact that you know Bell Let's Talk. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think Rose would be an absolute poster child for Bell Let's Talk. She would uh, be – oh, that, that's that's a fantastic idea. Right? Like I could sit there right now. We could just – I got goosebumps thinking about it. We could take a look at this whole lead-up to UFC 217 that Rose had to endure and experience 
with what Johanna told her. You're mentally unstable. Uh, the boogie woman is coming to you. And Rose just stone cold looking her in the face. Um, you know, I'm not the most religious guy, but you know, her doing the Lord's Prayer. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then pulling <laughs> off the victory. Yet, this is a story that they could absolutely ride with. And you need to tell Rose, Rose, again, you're a mixed martial artist. You're a professional fighter. You need to maximize the revenue you can generate from your brand. The Rose Nama Yunus brand is hot right now. And if you want to generate revenue, we got to get on these TV shows. We got to get on these talk shows. We got to talk, 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 talk because everybody's going to want to join you. So get paid, girl. I, I'm with you. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that is. I, I think they should jump on that yesterday. That is. It helps a cause. It helps Rose. It helps the UFC. It helps people. It's a very good idea. Also, uh, boy, we're talking the other end of the spectrum here. Greg Hardy made his MMA debut, and this is a guy who many criticized for even moving to MMA because of his domestic violence past. What are your thoughts on this? I don't know what to think about this, man. I I, I watched the fight briefly. Obviously, it was quick. Uh, kind of follow the story from a, from a surface level. Um, I, I I I don't know what to think, man. I don't know what to think. You want to get in, you want to get into mixed martial arts? He said in his post fight interview that uh, he's going to take it all the way till he gets to the UFC. Um, I mean, what you you tell me? What is the actual story um, with Greg Hardy in terms of the charges? Was he acquitted? Did he serve time? I, I don't know what the story is with that. Um, I'd have to follow up on that. I don't have all the specifics here, but, um, he's not a well-liked guy. He's, he's not. And he's, he's a 29 year old guy that's going to be a heavyweight. And he's obviously very, very athletic. Here's the history. He was arrested for assault and communicating threats. Um, he appealed the decision and the victim, uh, failed to appear in court to testify. The prosecutor dropped the charges. He was suspended 10 games after the NFL found sufficient credible evidence that Hardy engaged in conduct which violated NFL policy. They reduced it to four. Domestic uh, charges were ended up being expunged from his record, but Deadspin released the police photographs of his ex-girlfriend's injuries. Also, uh, we're talking about 13 months ago, he was arrested for cocaine possession. Bad. What's not bad, well, let's jump back to the other end of the spectrum. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson... He wanted $2 million, but Dana White said, you're a partner in the pay-per-view now. Test your test your worth. I sort of agree with Dana White, but like as I've mentioned before, I consider it the Derek Jeter situation where they gave him that big contract at the end of his career. It's for services rendered. It's for, here, you're a legend. We appreciate you. You're important. Even if everybody else doesn't recognize it necessarily. Sorry, uh, off topic, breaking news, former Blue Jays pitcher Roy Holiday dead in plane crash. No way. Ooh. Wow. That's terrible. Big time. He's, he's only like 40. Yeah, so I wonder what happened there. Man, he How was he was unbelievable. He was he a great pitcher. He was lights out when he was three, in Toronto, three man. Three-time 20-game winner, uh, what, two Cy Young Award winners, or two Cy Youngs, he... Oh man, that's that's horrible. He was one of the most just 
Dominant, man. Dominant he went to the Phillies after, right? Decade. Yeah, it didn't go so well for him. Well, it went yeah. well his first couple of years in Philly, but trailed yeah. off. But uh, Priya Rose in the live chat right now saying, Joe still has contacts in the UFC, right? You've got good ideas, and it seems to be put out there. Money people like Paige and fall way too short. Oh, Priya, you have no idea. <laughs> Priya, you have no idea how, don't get me started on how things magically appear in the yeah. UFC. Sean Rossap and I are, are, I've been privy to it. Uh, I mean, hey guys, right after this I'll be doing a SmackDown spoiler video on YouTube and I'll just say, start watching our podcasts. Someone asked for it on the on the live chat. Yeah, oh, it's happening. Major stuff in WWE, so look for that. I'll be going live again right after this. So, uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson, if if you were him and as just a viewer, $2 million or test your pay-per-view worth. Who's on my pay-per-view? And where does the threshold start? Who's on my pay-per-view? Is it at a hundred and is it at a hundred thousand? Do you get two bucks for every pay-per-view past that? Because then it's going to be a six-figure edition. It's not going to be a second seven-figure edition. Yeah. Also, uh, so go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. The, the cards are all in Dana. When Dana says something like that. He's basically saying you ain't going to make much money on pay-per-view. So yeah. you want to do it? Because he, he would, just want, that he out would there. want to sign the guy up for the least amount. That's yeah. the deal. So that's how it works with promoters. So. I mean, me as a managing editor, I'll ask somebody how much they want to make because they may what's, – what's the worst they can do? They can say way too much and I'm going to bring them back down to earth or they could just say uh, – Pennies on the dollar. Okay, we'll pay you that. I've always said I'll never ask somebody to write for free, but if they offer to, hey, man. UFC announced nine events. Here we go. Fight Night, St. Louis, January 14th. UFC 220, TD Garden, Boston. January 27th, Fight Night, Charlotte. February 3rd, Fight Night, Brazil. February 10th, UFC 221 in Perth, Australia, the home of our own Anna Bauert. February 14, Fight Night, Austin. That's on a Sunday. Also, the the St. Louis show is on a Sunday. Very interesting. February 24, Fight Night, Orlando. March 3rd, UFC 222. That is in Vegas. March 17, UFC Fight Night, London. Now, I want to shout out the UFC. Thank you for keeping some of my Saturday nights free. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my Saturday, March 17, that will be free. That's in London. Uh, the The week of Valentine's Day, that one's free. Thank you. The UFC Austin in on a Sunday. And then you got uh, the St. Louis show. Peculiar idea to put it on a Sunday in January, but hey, sure, whatever. What do you think of the UFC's booking, uh, bookings on Sunday? And any dates that stand out to you? Nothing really stands out to me per se. Uh, the None Sunday in shows are. Uh, I know. Yeah, that's that was what I said off the top of the show. I'm kind of like, huh? Zippo in Canada. Not that we want you to come up here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, between January to March, depending on unless you're in Vancouver, which is fantastic uh, any time of the year. But uh, I get it. But we'll see what's going to happen. Again, I mean, I hate to say it, man. The whole UFC thing in Canada is taking that dip. You know, I want it to go 
back up, but there's only so many ways it can get done. But in terms of what the UFC announced, um, nothing crazy, nothing cool. I mean, if, if you and I can have some Saturday nights that are free, uh, I, I'm not complaining. I mean, these, these Sunday shows, whatever, but Saturday nights, it's, it's you and I are basically like, I don't know what it's like for you, but, you know, I, I I downloaded the uh, the calendar to the wife's phone, the UFC calendar to the wife's phone. So before she makes any plans or says yes to any plans, you take a look, you take a look, and if it says pay per view, the answer is no. I got to be home by at least eight o'clock so I can watch the, the fight pass and catch up. If it's a big show, probably no. If it's not a big show that you don't think so, ask me, and then I will go to Sean Rossap and I will say, Sean, this show in Brazil. Are we going to – no, we're not, Joe. Okay, good. We can yeah. go out, honey. We'll deal with it on Tuesday, right? So, um, that, so hey, by the way, all you guys watching right now, listening in live, don't even think I'm complaining. I love what I do. I love what I do. I get to watch the UFC, get paid for it. I love it. But that's not to say that the family side of Joe Ferraro isn't like, man, I want to go to my boy's house for his birthday. I want to go to this couple's house and have a nice potluck dinner and get fat and stop losing all this weight because Pearson says I have a skinny neck. Oh, but gosh. That's gosh. Well, um, I'm liking the look at the schedule. Thumbs up. Thumbs way up. Leaves me some free weekends, which I end up working anyway, but – Man, it can be a scheduling it, – it can be too much sometimes. Well, it's never too much, but it can be overwhelming at, at times. Uh, I will overwhelm you with great content at Fightful.com, you guys. We have forums, photos, videos, podcasts, all kinds of exclusives. We have a ton of UFC contract news coming this week exclusively to Fightful.com, so head over there. Uh, we, you can separate your MMA, wrestling, and boxing content if you so choose, but you all got to check out that boxing newsletter from Carlos Toro every Thursday morning. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online, Fightful MMA, and Fightful Wrestle. And follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Joe, anything else before we go? Oh, my God. I got lots of stuff. I, I, I'm trying to figure out. I was going to write an article yesterday. And I said, no, I'll wait till later. I was going to write today. Uh, I want to talk about humility and humble pie in mixed martial arts and how it Not got as good as Shepherd's Pie. Shepherd's Pie. Oh, yeah, you remember the Shepherd's Pie I had a week or two ago. Divine. Laced that up with Frank's hot sauce. Woo-wee! It was fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, got a video this week. I, I'm looking at this, this Norfolk card and thinking five fun bets will not be a problem. My top five fun bets will not be a problem come Friday, but uh, there will be two uh, articles uh, that I will spin off uh, probably tomorrow and Thursday uh, before my travels across, as Sean knows, the greater Toronto region with my meetings uh, and discussions. Uh, I'm going, ladies and gentlemen, I will be in – oh, actually, no, next week's show, I'll, I'll still be here, but then I will be traveling to, uh, to Florida, uh, Pembroke Pines, Florida, for yeah. the Titan event, and I will one-on-one – Get a chance to speak to not only Shorty Torres, but Kamaru Usman. Uh, we will be discussing a variety of things. He is a problem in the UFC welterweight division. He is calling out Colby Covington. Those two guys do not live far from each other. One is ATT, one is not ATT. Oh, yeah. So there may not be a fun bets video that week. Usman straight up saying he doesn't want to take the fight he's got now because he wants to fight Covington. It's fantastic. Every like every day, I have a new article loaded up on the back end of the site. This person wants to beat up Colby Covington. This person didn't think what he said was the right thing. He's he's a very smart man. He's a yeah. very smart man. 
I concur. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'll be busy. And then uh, don't forget, guys, Saturday night after the sick Norfolk show, it's going to be ridiculous. And like I said, I appreciate everybody who put out that challenge uh, on social media. Uh, we should have got Joe Lowe's on. I tried. Uh, it was, we weren't able to work things out, but Joe Lowe's on is now competing uh, on Saturday. But please, guys, everyone listening right now, watching right now, get on Twitter. Hashtag, not hashtag, copy in myself or Sean Rossap. Tell a UFC fighter or someone, a personality, that you want them to join us on the Holy Smokes podcast. We will do our very best to make it work, and we will have some fun doing it. Rest in peace, Roy Halladay. It is tragic that the man is not going to be at his own Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, That's sad, and thank you for all the memories. Uh, I have a soft spot for the Toronto Blue Jays. And Roy Halladay, we extend our condolences to his friends family, and fans. Guys, until next time, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.